Today is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate resurrection every day and every week and every Sunday, but, but, but today is what it's all about. And I shared with the Sunrise crowd, if you, if you were here this morning for Sunrise, just listen to it again and just laugh as though it was the first time or whatever, nod your head. T- today's what it's all about. I was talking to my son, Braden, on the way up here for Sunrise this morning. I said, Braden, you know, Easter Sunday is the most important. It's even more important than Christmas. He's like, what, what? More important than Christmas? We love celebrating that Jesus was born. That is phenomenal. And I love Christmas. But if he didn't die for our sins and rise again on the third day, then he just had a birthday like you and me. But today we celebrate in victory. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. Uh, If you are visiting with us, I want to say welcome. I haven't had a chance to introduce myself. My name is Evan. I'm the the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the pastor, just some title pastor uh, here at at First Baptist. It's been here almost two years. And I want to say welcome. If you have your Bible on your phone, that is great. If you've got it on your iPad, that is phenomenal. I love Bible apps. You can carry the Bible with you everywhere, clipped to your belt, stuck in your purse. Maybe your kid won't delete it while they're flipping through pictures, but you can catch it anywhere. Um, So you'll just flip through. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible is in two parts. There's the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, covenant, how God began to reveal himself and promise the Messiah to come. And then the New Testament is the back part of the Bible. It's a little bit later. So the book of Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament. So you're going to be about three-fourths of the way through the Bible by the time you get to Romans. Just want to kind of give you a heads up of where it is. If you start seeing like a thing that says concordance and gives you a bunch of Bible verses next to words, you've gone too far. You need to flip back just a little bit. But our passage this morning is Romans chapter 6. Let me share something with you about Romans chapter 6. In December of 2003, I was a bright, spry, 21-year-old college student, and I was invited by the pastor of my home church, Northside Baptist in Tifton, Georgia, to preach in a Sunday night service. This was my first time preaching in big church. I had preached in youth meetings, and I had talked to youth groups, and I said, this is my first time preaching in big church. And when you know it, Romans chapter 6 was the passage that I preached that night, December the 27th, 28th, 2003. My sermon lasted 12 minutes. So you can go ahead and start your timer as we look at this passage together. The title of the sermon is The New Life. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know, you will not find the word Easter anywhere in our passage this morning. But if you're following along in your worship guide, you'll see that each of my sermon points today, except for number five there at the bottom, have something to do with Easter. But I cannot read Romans chapter six without finding Easter imprinted all over it. Resurrection day. So if you have your place in Romans chapter six, I do want to invite you to stand with me if you are able, as we read the word of God together, looking at these 11 verses in their entirety uh, and honoring him by standing in his presence as we read. Let's, let's, Let's read this together. The apostle Paul is writing and he says, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How should we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized 
and to his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this then, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we are standing now. Standing now in the presence of Christ, our risen King. Lord Jesus, you said wherever there are more than two or three gathered in your name, there your spirit will be also. And we've got a lot more than two or three this morning gathered in your name. So Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you would assist us in understanding your word. Assist us in glorifying the name of the Lord our God. Assist us in exalting King Jesus, our risen Savior. Teach our hearts today. Draw us to your throne. And if any of us needs to repent and come to faith in you, why? not today Lord save us give us ears to hear we ask this in the name of Christ amen you may be seated this morning we look at this passage of scripture let me give you a little background of what Paul's been doing in the in the book of Romans the book of Romans is 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 quite simply constructed on one phrase that he utters or or he doesn't utter it he writes it to the Christians there in Rome in chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 he says I am not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of life first to the Jew and then to the Gentile Paul is writing the entire book of Romans on this simple idea that it is the gospel that gives us life. That is because of the gospel, you and I can have what Jesus calls everlasting life or being born again, born from above. And he spends some time uh, breaking down what that looks like. He talks about his life as a Jew. He talks about when he came to faith in Christ and he starts talking about why we need this and chapter five builds this monumental case. Does anybody in here like watching courtroom dramas I know you'd rather watch Judge Judy or Judge Alex or somebody like that but but the courtroom dramas where man Ben Matlock man he was he was like the, the greatest courtroom drama guy ever right it didn't matter the, the the police man the police always always looked like they had no idea who committed crimes when it came to Matlock because the sp- suspect would be sitting right there on the witness stand and he would get the confession out of the suspect right there on the stand and the police were like how did he know 
So you get into a courtroom and you start building a case of guilt. That's the lawyer's job is to build a case of guilt while another lawyer is building a case of innocence. And Paul in chapter five builds a case of innocence and a case of guilt. And the case of guilt falls on Adam. You remember Adam, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, the last few months, we've been going through the book of Genesis, walking and seeing how from the very beginning when God created the earth, he had the cross and he had the resurrection and he had new life in Christ already planned out and mapped out for us. But you know, Adam ate some fruit he wasn't supposed to eat. And the Bible says in chapter 5 of the book of Romans that through that one man, Adam's sin, death spread to everybody. That's a universal guilt. The unfortunate thing is that's your guilt and that's my guilt. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. That was Adam. I wasn't in Genesis chapter 3. I'm not that old. It had all of us. Me, your mama. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you a mama joke. I'm not. Your daddy, your grandma, your brother, your sister, you. Spread to all of us. But he also builds a case of innocence. One man whose righteousness allowed for righteousness to spread to all. That man, Christ Jesus. And he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, he says, The law came so that the transgression, the sin, would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And we get into chapter 6 on that idea. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And he starts off saying, so what do we do? Should we continue sinning so that we could get more grace? That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of a good deal, right? Well, I want, who wants a little more grace? Anybody? anybody? Anybody have enough grace? You're good? No, we all want more grace, right? And so Paul says, I'm going to get ahead of you, and you're not going to run headlong into this life of sin continually so that you get more grace. It doesn't work that way. Why doesn't it work that way? Because of what Christ Jesus did. Because of Easter. Because of the day when he rose again and fulfilled the law and fulfilled the requirement of the punishment of that, that was on us for sin. See, you and I are able to sit here in this sanctuary today celebrating Easter. So, man, some of you got nice new dresses. That looks very nice. Some of you didn't. That's okay. Some of you got a nice new tie. I didn't get a new tie. I did, but then I realized I paid too much for it and I returned it. True story. I got the receipt to prove it. We don't have Easter because of our outfits. We don't have Easter because of eggs and bunnies and candy. We don't even have Easter so we can have church. We have church because there was an Easter Sunday. We have Easter because Christ Jesus died. We have Easter because Christ Jesus died. Look at what he says here. What are we supposed to say? Do we continue sinning so that we get more grace? May it never be. How should we who died to sin still live in it? And I know you're like, wait, where, where's the Jesus death? That's about we died to sin. Look at verse three. Do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. 
The historical death of Jesus Christ cannot be debated. Well, let me rephrase that just a second. People can try to debate the historical death of Jesus Christ, but there are too many extra biblical outside of the Bible references to a Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified by the Romans around the year AD 33 or 34. There's enough outside evidence to point to the reality that Christ Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, was a true historical being who was crucified. That's not up for debate. What is up for debate is what did the death of Christ accomplish? And Paul says here, look, I'm going to give you a picture of baptism. I'm going to show you what happened. And when you were baptized, if you were a follower of Christ this morning, when you were baptized, you were baptized first and foremost into his death. Jesus Christ died. Just a few moments ago, we celebrated baptism right up here in our baptism. I love baptizing on Easter. I, I love having the resurrection day to do this because that's what it's about. But we're standing there and we got the water all around us and that's just Fairburn water. I don't think we had a bull watery advisory or anything. I was wearing rubber boots, so I'm good. So, um, but that's just Fairburn water. And the picture there is of a burial because you noticed there were two of us standing there and one of us went under, Right? When someone passes away, when there is a death, there is a burial. And Paul draws this picture of baptism and says, okay, you want to talk about when we get grace and how grace increases? Well, we've got to look at the death of Christ and the reality that Jesus Christ died. And when you were baptism, you were put under, you were buried, you were baptized into his death. It's a picture. But it's a symbol of what happened. The Bible speaks plenty of times throughout the Old Testament, uh, throughout the Old Testament to show us about this servant of God that was going to come. Last Sunday, last Sunday we didn't have service um, because there was severe weather coming through our area and we wanted to make sure everybody was safe and not driving when it was supposed to get here. But last Sunday night, we just kind of had an impromptu come as you are. Um, some of you took, me, took, me, took my word on the come as you are last week and that's great. We were here, we had a little Bible study looking at Isaiah chapter 53 talking about this suffering servant who it was the pleasure of God to crush him for our sin. It was told time and time again, Jesus himself even said, I, the Savior, the Son of Man, am going to be handed over and I'm going to be crucified. The death was there. And Paul says, look at this baptism. Look, Jesus died. Why? Because of sin. Some of you will pass away from old age. Some of you will pass away because sickness will take over your body. There are a thousand different and probably more than a thousand different ways that our bodies will fail us and we will ultimately succumb to death in the flesh. But the death of Christ was told to be in the most gruesome fashion, a crucifixion. Man, there's a reason Jesus came when he came and not in 2019. See, 2019, if Jesus had come today, and was going to be uh, executed for us, he would have been taken over to like this closet over here and something would have been injected in his veins and nobody would have known about it. But what Jesus did for you and for me was to fully bear the reproach of a false trial and, 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 a, and a scourging and a beating to have his body ripped and to have his body crushed and to have his body mangled for our sin. Not because he back-talked his mama. I don't think he ever did. 
Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of Christ. He took all of that on for us. I don't believe he ever lied. I believe in the perfect sinless Savior. But he was publicly marched through the streets of Jerusalem carrying his cross, bloodied and beaten and tattered. He was taken to the edge of Jerusalem where anyone in the city could look over and see Golgotha's Hill, the place of the skull, the place of the crucifixion where the Romans would brutally put to death people. He was able to be seen. Christ Jesus died. But we don't have Easter just because he died. We don't have baptism just because he died. We have Easter because Jesus Christ rose again. We have Easter because he didn't stay dead. Look at verse four. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead. So that Christ was raised from the dead. His body wasn't stolen. It wasn't misplaced. He rose again. The Bible talks about how Christ Jesus got there, or the, the, the ladies that third morning, that Sunday morning, got to their empty tomb. The stone was rolled away, and there was nothing but an angel said, hey, there, you're looking for somebody who's alive in, in a place where you're only gonna find dead people. And, and, and then it says that, that Jesus appeared to Mary. And then over the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to people all over the place. And it wasn't like that, that apparition, like this, this crazy spirit. No, it was him. It was him. He even said, hey, don't really cling to me because I have not returned to the Father. He rose again in the flesh. It wasn't a spiritual raising. It was a bodily raising. And Paul says here, look at what Easter did. We were buried with him, buried with baptism into his death so that as he was raised, how? Through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a brand new life. I know, we live in sci-fi world, right? You can get over here on Sonoya Road and just drive, depending on Peachtree City, 30 minutes down to uh, Sonoya and see where they filmed The Walking Dead. All, all of us are ready for this zombie apocalypse that's not really gonna happen, but we think it is because of sci-fi world, right? And so this idea of someone being dead and coming back to life, we start thinking through it in terms of TV, No, no. This was a real man who was the son of God. This was a real body. The Bible says that the word who was God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Paul later says in Colossians that this Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He was dwelling among us. He took on our flesh. He died in our flesh but he rose again. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. It says that if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The resurrection of Christ points to where we are headed. Oh man, I love that. See, I don't know if you noticed something peculiar when we did baptism just a little while ago. There were two of us standing there in the water and one of us put the other one underwater. But I didn't leave him there. Right? 
I didn't give him like a 10 Mississippi count. I didn't wait to see if he was going to do some kind of cool David Copperfield thing or just kind of appear somewhere else in the sanctuary. No, no, no. I put him under and as a symbol of what has spiritually already taken place, we rose him again. Because Christ Jesus didn't stay under, he came again. He rose again. The third day, the tomb was empty. We celebrate in baptism every time a picture of what Christ Jesus did, but what spiritually has already happened because of him. And some of you this morning have never trusted Christ. Spiritually, you're, you're still under the water. Spiritually, you're still dead. That body of sin has still encapsulated you, and you're still walking in that, and you're still living in that, and breathing in that, and it is a living, breathing death. That Jesus Christ rose again. Why did Jesus Christ rise again? Paul goes on to say that we have Easter because Jesus has freed us from our sin. Jesus has freed us from our sin. He says there in verse seven. Excuse me, start in verse six. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Crucified so it was buried. Just like Christ was buried in order that our body of sin might be done away with, gone, buried, no more, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, but that we'd be free. This is an act of emancipation. This is a declaration that what, in, what, what the chains that we wear spiritually are no more. When you're not free, it can be suffocating. When there is something that has clutched on to your ankle, and pulls and draws and retains you from living in a freedom, it can be suffocating. See, we could, we could talk about it and nuance it in, in many different ways. The, the number one reason right now among millennials for, for suicide is financial debt. Becoming so enslaved to debtors so encapsulated by mounting debt that there's no hope so that there's nothing else to do as they would feel. It's, it's, it's a huge pandemic running across our country. There are many that feel enslaved or encapsulated by a sin. Man, I don't wanna be this way, but I am this way. And then there's, there's no hope, there's hopelessness. You talk about human trafficking. You, you, you talk about the African slave trade of, uh, of a couple of centuries ago. These individuals, these families, these men and women, they're ripped apart because there is this chain. There's this gloomy darkness. There is this cloud that lingers over. But Jesus comes in in the spiritual form and says, there is this bondage that is on you that I died to break you free. You are no longer slaves. You are now free. Free, free. I'm not a historian. I don't claim to be a historian. I like history. 
I like Baptist history. I like Georgia history. I like random history, historical facts, whatever. So if anybody in here is a historian, I want you to help me out with this. I would like to know if there, how many documented cases there are of individuals from the pre-Civil War South that were freed from slavery that decided, you know, I'm just gonna hang out here and continue acting like I'm still a slave. I wanna know if there are any documented cases because the gospel pulls us out of a slavery, but too often we want to just live as though we're still there. But Jesus died to free us from that bondage, to break those chains. When the chains are broken, when the shackles are broken, we get to run free. We get to click our heels and we get to go and be rescuers to draw others to this freedom that we have now found. And Paul says, look at this. The reason that we don't continue to live in the body of sin and to live in this, in this pattern of sinfulness is because that body is dead. That body is buried. That person is gone. We're walking in a new life. He says, for he who has died is freed from sin. I, I don't know about you this morning. But when I look in the passages and the pages of scripture, and I see of a risen savior, I can't help but see the freedom he purchased for me that I would not have to struggle with lust, that I would not have to struggle with greed, that I would not have to struggle with pride, that I would not have to struggle with identity, that it could all be found in the freedom of Christ. Are you experiencing freedom? Are you experiencing freedom in Christ to be the you that he created and redeemed? The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Bible says that when you come to faith in Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you came to faith in Christ, you received this Holy Spirit. And by receiving that Holy Spirit, you have received freedom. But if you're not living in freedom, then you're not living under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, you've got to ask yourself, did I truly trust in this Savior? Because he frees us. I don't know what I'd be doing right now if he had not freed me from my sin. I, I shudder to think, knowing my natural inclinations, knowing the things I struggle with as a redeemed man, I struggle and I shudder to think of where I would be today if it wasn't for the freedom of Christ. We have Easter because Christ Jesus set us free. And he didn't just come in and pick the lock he busted the chain. He didn't just come in and say, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna work and, and try to see if we can cut a deal with the judge. He came in and declared freedom. He came in and broke every chain. He came in and set you free by the power of his blood. Verse eight says that we have died, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We have Easter because Jesus Christ gives us new life, new life. Sometimes I like playing video games. I'm not a gamer, okay? 
Don't get this impression that your husband's sitting there in the basement of his house with 9,000 video games doing all this. And Christy, you keep the kids and I'm playing my video games. No, no, it's nothing like that. One of my favorite video games when I was a kid um, was, was Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. And he'd run around, he'd get his rings, and, and if he'd die, he'd go, Wah! and he'd kind of fall like that. He'd, he'd bounce off of a spike and go, or whatever. But if you would get something to, to, to give him a new life, he'd kind of just kind of float in there in a bubble, and then he'd drop where he was supposed to go, and you could start over and you'd run. It was great. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't put you in this bubble to say, oh, you made this big mistake and you fell on this spike. I'm gonna pick you up and make you go over here and you're gonna try that spike over again. What Jesus does is he comes in and he brings you out of death into life so that you can walk according to his purpose and his plan and not according to the way of the world. Look at what he says. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, see, Jesus, it's all about life, right? He died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again because Easter is about life. The resurrection's about life. The gospel's about life. God is the author and creator of life. Jesus is the savior to give us life. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin, how many times? Once and for all. Once and for all. He doesn't have to die for your sin today and then die again for it tomorrow and the next day. You don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and heifers and all these things today and then do it again tomorrow and then again the next day and the next day until you run out of animals and then what are you gonna do when you run out of animals? You don't have to go back to him and say, Jesus, could, could, could you die for my sins again? He died once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the essence of the Easter message, that he died to give us life that we could live to God. Resurrection is about life. Resurrection is about having a new life. You don't like the person you are? Come to faith in Christ. Let him change you. Let him transform you. I'm not asking you to like stick. It's about to be pool season. And all of us do the same thing when we go, if we ever go to a swimming pool, right? It doesn't matter if it's an indoor heated pool or not. We go in, we kick the water with our toe, right? I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I did that with the baptism, didn't do that with the baptism water this morning. May or may not be a one or two people in this room that have been baptized in a cold baptismal pool. I want to make sure that heater was on. It's warm. Here we go. That's what we do, right? I'm not asking you to go to Jesus and kind of stick your toe in and see if it feels right. I'm asking you to give everything to him to transfer all of your accounts and everything that you have in your life into him because he transfers his righteousness into yours that you can live a new life to God. Because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. Jesus came to make dead people living people. That's Easter. So let me ask you a question. Have you been born into this new life? Have you been born into this new life?
See, that's how we get the all or nothing, right? You, you, you don't just get partially born. It, it doesn't happen. You're fully born. Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he's having this conversation with this religious leader. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher because you can do these signs that no one else can do unless God is with that person. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a pretty smart guy. This idea of being born again was new to him. And maybe the idea of being born from above and being born into a new life is a little bit new for you. Maybe you can relate to Nicodemus. He says to Jesus, how is it that a man can be born when he's, he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It's a pretty good question. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. But do not be amazed to you that I said that you must be born again. Ladies and gentlemen, the question I have to ask you this morning, the question I have to ask you has to do with true life. Have you been born into this new life? Have you given everything and placed your trust in him? I'm not asking you to write a check to the church. I'm not asking you to show up to every event that we're doing. I'm not asking you for anything right now except this. Have you been born into new life? Verse 11 says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive. Right now, you're one of three people in this room. You're alive to God. I praise the Lord for that. You are alive. You've been born again. You're walking with Christ. And you know people around you that you want to see come to faith in Christ. And so you're trying your hardest. You're doing what you can to put the gospel in front of them. And I praise God for you. And this morning, I rejoice that you can exalt the King of Kings and rejoice in this Easter Resurrection Sunday because the tomb is empty and you've experienced it. Some of you have tasted of the goodness of the Lord. You're a Christian. You can remember the day that you were put under water and brought back as a sign. You can remember the day that you prayed a prayer or made a confession of faith and, and knew that you were saved, but, but you're not alive fully right now. You're kind of on spiritual life support. If, if nothing else, you've got spiritual bronchitis and you're under doctor's care. Let that new life resound in you today. Maybe there's something you need to live, lay down. You're doing exactly what Paul says is not to be part of us. You're still trying to live in the body of sin that was crucified and buried with Christ. We can't do it. That's not us anymore. That's not who we are. Run to him. Run to him today. Run back to that empty tomb. See that Christ is risen and rejoice in what he has done. Maybe you're one of the third people. You're not living to God because you've not been born into this new life. 
And there are a bunch of different classes within there. You're skeptical, you're, you're, you don't like the church, you don't like what I'm saying, and that's fine. Most of the time, I don't like what I'm saying anyway. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is truth. When it comes to who you are right now and the eternal weight that is in the balance and what the resurrection and what Easter actually means, this is where I want your heart to be engaged with the good news that Jesus Christ died so that you could live. The punishment that should have been yours and should have been mine for our sin, he already took. He already embodied. He already allowed his blood to wash away, to purify your sin. And the only thing, the only right response is, okay, I need that. I want that. I trust that he's giving it to me. And so I want to give you an opportunity to trust, to lean into him to be born into a new life.